and she was weeping. And maybe it was because she thought it was over. Maybe it's because she thought, man, I wish I could have done something more. Or maybe it's because she wished that she could have spent one, just, just one more day with him. See, Mary and, and Jesus had met early on in Jesus' ministry. Um, and Jesus had delivered or, or cast out seven demons from Mary's body. And, and for most of his ministry, Mary had become somewhat of a, a roadie for Jesus, right? Her and a few of her friends became somewhat of a hospitality crew or, or a welcoming crew as they cared for Jesus' needs. And that task was no longer needed now. And maybe that's why she was crying. Uh, either way, her devotion to Jesus was because of the life that he had offered her in his ministry. A life with great purpose and great meaning. You see, Jesus had reclaimed. Jesus had reclaimed Mary's life. Given it purpose and given it value. And now, if, 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 if you know the story, it was... Uh, for 40 some days, for 40 days after Jesus' that first resurrection Sunday, after Jesus was raised to life, uh, he would appear to some of his closest friends. And he would appear to many of his followers, people who had walked with him in his ministry. And uh, Mary Magdalene, or Mary of Magdala, uh, as some would call her, was the first. And then there was Salome and Joanne. Uh, and they were both, actually, both of them were present at Jesus' crucifixion. Salome was thought to be a, a well-to-do woman, uh, important and independent. And, um, and, but either way, she's devoted to Jesus now. It's thought to be the, son of the, the uh, mother to the sons of Zebedee. Joanne, Mary's friend, was actually a manager at Herod's house. But Jesus had uh, healed her as well. And they both were there at the empty tomb with Mary. But before Jesus appeared to Mary, Scripture tells us that they withdrew because they were fearful. They were scared. They were bewildered, trembling, Scripture tells us. And it's hard to know the feelings that those two felt as they were walking away from the tomb that was empty. After all, they had they'd given their lives, like Mary, to care for Jesus' needs during his ministry and heard a lot of what he had taught on. They had left their lives to care for this. And Jesus, in that moment, rescued. He rescued them. Their story and their account of what had happened. Fearful, trembling, but now Jesus rescues them as he appears to them on that trail away from the tomb. We know Jesus appeared to Peter next, and we'll get back to Peter in a little bit. But then there was a couple of his disciples that were on the road to Emmaus, and if you've heard that story before, that's going away from Jerusalem. Away from uh, what had happened. And these two uh, that were on, a way, on, on their way to the road to Emmaus were six, seven miles, Scripture tells us, into their journey, away from where, where Jesus was laid. 
where the promise, and it was, it was actually the same day that Jesus has died, they're walking away. And uh, away from the promise, because Jesus had told them all, I will rise again, three days. I will rise again. And so walking, in a sense, away from that promise, Scripture tells us their head were downcast. They were disappointed. Pretty confident to say that. And Jesus revives them. Jesus revives their conversation, their outlook on what is ahead. Scripture tells us that starting with the story of Moses, on that second half of that journey, Jesus explained to them everything that happened in Scripture, starting with Moses, regarding who he was. I don't know about you, but I bet the second half of that journey went a lot faster and it was a lot more interesting. As Jesus explained to them everything that scripture had said from Moses until then regarding who he was. Jesus also restores. The next two times Jesus appears, he appears to the twelve. And he he restores their outlook on things. They had gathered together in fear and questioning as what they were going to do next. And Jesus restored their story. And if you remember also, it's in one of those one of those times that Jesus appears that Jesus restores Thomas's faith, shows him the holes in his hands and the holes in his side. And Thomas's faith is then restored. Then Jesus appears to a group of seven at the water in the shores of the Sea of Tiberias. And it's there that Jesus reinstates. He reinstates Peter because just earlier Peter had denied Jesus three times. And Jesus, doing what he does for all of us, knows what Peter needs to hear. And he reinstates Peter three times. Because Peter had denied him three times. Peter, do you love me, Jesus said. He says, yeah, I love you. Jesus says, well, then go and do my work. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, then go and do my work. And Jesus reinstates Peter three times in this moment and and reinstates him back into a ministry to become faithful to the call as he was and to have some of the greatest influence in the Christian faith, in his life, and then now beyond as we still talk about Peter today. Then Jesus appears to hundreds, it said, gathered and hundreds of people saw him. Then he appears to his half-brother, James, who scripture tells us he's a skeptic. Now I don't know about you, I got two brothers. If either of them claimed to be the son of God, I'd be a skeptic. I don't know that I'd want to believe that my brother was the son of God. He might tell me he was, but I would be a skeptic as well. And some say Jesus appeared to James so that he would believe. And if we look at scripture, it seems that this meeting between James and Peter is somewhat of a catalyst for James to then come to the knowledge and believe for the first time that Jesus really was the Son of God. If we look at that list, we get all five of those up there. If we look at that list, that's a list of what our Savior has done, 
will do and is doing in our lives today. That's a list that I think all of us, as we walk in here today, would like more of that in our lives. A list that we would all desire for ourselves. To be revived, to be rescued, to be restored, to be reinstated. I believe all of us want that in our lives. Today we're going to continue in a message that we've been looking at over the last few weeks and this idea of being raised to life in Christ. And this idea we've been looking at, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians today uh, as we look at why it is we all gather together on Easter and what is of most importance of why we celebrate today. And we're going to be looking at Paul, uh, who is the author of 1 Corinthians, the author of Corinthians. Um, and Paul is probably one of the most influential uh, people in the Christian faith. He wrote uh, along with God, the inspired, it, it, along with God inspiring him to write most of the, uh, the New Testament. And so in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 for 8, he says, For what I receive, I have passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of them are still living, and they say that because Paul is saying, you can go check it out. You can go talk to the people that I, that, that I appeared to. They're still alive. Though some have fallen asleep, Paul says some have died. But that he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and the last of which he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. And Paul is saying here that these accounts of Jesus, they were separate, happened at different times, at different places, two different people. But although they're separate, they're recorded as to serve a part of the foundation of what we believe of why we celebrate Easter. These accounts uh, are the proof that Jesus rose from the dead. And I don't know about you and where you would be today if these accounts weren't there and it was thought to be false. For me, I spent 15 years at Costco, and honestly, I would probably be on the receiving dock at Costco driving a forklift right now if this wasn't true. And so... If you don't hear anything else this morning, I want you to hear this. Because somebody asked my wife this question uh, this week. They said, why is it special to come together and and worship together as a large group on Easter? And, And I tell you what, it's because so many people stop in their busyness of their lives and spend, maybe if it's just even one day, to recognize and to focus on the truth and the accounts of Jesus. To recognize that it is that Jesus died and was raised to life so that you may be, and you can fill in the blanks, you may be revived, you may be restored, rescued, reclaimed, reinstated in your life. And I want you to think of the process and the significance of that statement. 
I don't know a lot of your stories this morning. I wish I did. I wish I had the opportunity to speak to each one of you individually, to speak truth into your life. I only have what God blesses me with, with the opportunity to do this on Easter and, 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 and a lot of other Sundays throughout the year. But I wish I had the capacity to sit down with each one of you and share with you the truth that I get to see in the way that Jesus, the way that Jesus works in the lives of his people. But I do know my story. And, and, and maybe it's just me, but maybe you can relate to me. Because my, my story is a story that lacked purpose and meaning for me personally. I accepted Christ at the age of 18. This really old guy at the time was 35 years old. Dwight, really old. So I was 18, he was really old. He prayed with me. And he introduced me to who Christ was. And, and in that, Jesus reclaimed my life. He gave it purpose and he gave it meaning. And this is meaning that I, this is purpose and meaning that I've needed in my life over and over and over again. Even more so now that I've become and surpassed the age of that really old guy at that time who shared him with me. And then there's also areas of my life that this very day and in this past week, that things that I have done in my life that I needed to be rescued from, that I needed to be delivered from. And because of things that I've done, I needed to know that I was reinstated, that I was loved, and that despite that, I was still qualified, that I was still qualified and reinstated to have a personal relationship and to do the work that Christ has for me. And I know that for me, that the only way to do that is done by Christ on the cross and the work that he did for each one of us, which translates to the same work that he does through his spirit with us today. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 says this, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can you, how can some of you say that there no, is no resurrection of the dead? That there is no, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching, my preaching, is useless. And so is your faith. See, Paul is saying, uh, if the accounts of these hundreds of people that saw Christ isn't true then Christ didn't rise from the dead. And that it's probably the biggest hoax ever in history. And the power that was displayed in raising him, the power that was displayed in the lives of the people that he called after that moment and he appeared to them and gave them purpose and gave them meaning and called them in to do his work, all that false, not true. And I don't know where you're at and what you believe about Christ this morning. Some of you maybe are, are really confident in that power that, that rose Christ from the dead that first resurrection Sunday. And some of you maybe are here checking things out. That you, deep down inside, you would love to know that and, and actually would want those truths to be real in your life. 
that you want to believe the truth of who Jesus is. And maybe some of you aren't sure why you're here this morning. Maybe you came to an Easter egg hunt yesterday and you heard me say, hey, come to church. And so you're here. Maybe you got invited by somebody. Just to let you know you're welcome. Whatever you believe, you're welcome here. And know that the people who have invited you and there's people here have been praying for you. But either way, what you believe about Christ today, whatever that may be, is linked to what you brought in here today. What you brought with you today. It's linked to whatever need in your life that you feel you need to be revived from, that you need to be restored to, that you need to be reinstated, that you need to be raised to life in. So let me tell you this. Every Sunday morning, without a shadow of doubt, whether it be Easter or Christmas or a random Sunday in September, Every Sunday, in this room, there are people whose lives have been impacted by the truth of who Christ is, the truth of his accounts that are in the Bible, the truth of his power, and the truth of his ability to restore, to rescue, and to redeem. And it's by those accounts that I know his body wasn't merely transferred. His body wasn't stolen. That it isn't a hoax. That he was raised to life. And it's by those same accounts that I know his spirit is as alive as it was then, as it is now. That it was the days that he walked and healed and the day that he appeared to Mary first to provide comfort but also calling and to the others providing purpose and meaning and even to his brother James so that he may believe for the first time. Jesus died and was raised to life so that you may Believe. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. See, the areas of our lives that we need to be revived from, that we need to be re- restored or redeemed from, those are the areas of our lives that hold us captive, that keep us from the life and the cause and, and cause us to miss out on life. And what God would have for us. What we're designed to do. And that's where the freedom is. And and to believe in that freedom and to understand that freedom, you have to believe that he cares. You have to believe that in the garden he actually had you in mind. And that he knew carrying that cross and enduring that pain that in there, there might even be the slightest shot. That knowing and understanding that, that you would believe. And he knew that ultimately his death 
meant your life, meant your freedom. And he wanted to communicate that it's for everybody, that all can be raised to life. Based on the Bible accounts recorded in the Bible and by the accounts in this room, Paul writes these to be true. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through man, resurrection of the dead comes also through man. And that's God sending his son to earth to be a man with us, to live the life that he lived on earth. For it says, for as in Adam, this is Paul explaining, for as in yourself, as in your own desire, as you're in your own human Ability, it is death. All die, it says. For as an Adam, all die. So in Christ, all will be made alive. Scripture tells us, and these verses explain to us, that it is in a relationship with Christ, in understanding what he did, that you will be made alive, that you will be Revived, revived more than ever. And that's if you placed your trust in Christ that you have access to that ability to be made alive or raised to life. Romans 8.11 says this, And the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. In a second here, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to give you the opportunity, maybe it is even for the first time, to pray a prayer of belief like James did the day that Jesus appeared to him. But what I want you to know and what I want you to understand is of the most importance, is this is what I want you to hear today, that we all have access to the creator of the heavens and earth. The power that created it all. And that same creator, that, the same creator that created you and created me, actually desires for you to have a life that's better than anything that you can construct on your own. And it's not tough to access that life. That first you have to admit that whatever it is that you're attempting in your life on your own just isn't cutting it. And let me tell you this. If you walk through those doors today, you're in good company in that. But that if we're able to push ourselves aside, to set ourselves aside, and allow God to work in the separation, we have access to that freedom. And you've felt it before. The desire in your heart for something more. Something to be restored to. Something to be redeemed in your life that you want more. More than just what you're attempting. It's to be restored and redeemed to more purpose and more meaning. And that God ultimately wants you to find that. And that he will fulfill it in him. In a relationship with him. His plan for you and for me was that through Jesus, through the work that he did on the cross, through the life that he lived among us, 
One, to understand what it is that we're enduring, to understand what it is that we're going through, and to feel what we feel. And to endure what we've endured. You have to believe that that was his plan. That his plan was to send his son to live, die, and to be raised to life. And that was actually plan A, and there is no plan B. Belief in Christ and trusting and placing your life in his restores the relationship to the Father. Restores our relationship to God. And it is through Christ and his work and through his spirit that you're granted and given access to that life that we were created to have. And that life is eternal. Eternity with God. So my question for you today is, do you believe that? Have you really put your trust in Christ who laid it all down for you. I pass this on to you because it's of most importance. Let's pray.